We are all Schrodinger's cats. Hello and welcome to Jeff and Amy at the Well, episode 24, I believe it is. This one is another special one because it's uh, the uh, uh, second part of a conversation we had with an old friend, Brenda Hogan, uh, a, who is currently uh, a uh, pastor in Wathena and Troy in Northeast Kansas and also a seminary student at St. Paul School of Theology. We were having such a good time uh, talking that we went on. So uh, with uh, I'm Jeff Slater, the pastor of Trinity United Methodist in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, with me is my wife, Amy, from Southgate United Methodist, and let's join that conversation in progress, I think you'll be able to, uh, to to get right on board. So we just finished talking about New Begun and all of that, but I kind of wanted to talk about a uh, uh, another one of those big churchy words. I love big churchy words. I know you do too, Brenda. And sorry, Amy, you'll have to be here with the big churchy words too. Uh, but that word is liminality. Amy, what would you uh, would you explain? The basics? Le oh, yes. Um, when God hands you lemon. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, liminality is just that, that experience of being in between something, in between times, in between uh, one big thing and the next. You're waiting. Um, it's uncomfortable and there's a lot of unknowns and worries. It can be an, it, it can be an anxious place. Um, this whole the, the whole theological idea of the uh, uh, the the now and the not yet. Right. We we talked about that in part one. Yeah. This idea that God is all that that God has already won the victory in Jesus already, mm -hmm. but it's not yet complete, and we're in the in between time, the liminal space. Yeah. And so so it's uh, it, and you can have liminal experiences in your life. Um, day to day, I think of pregnancy as a big liminal uh, experience, and that you know a baby's coming uh, if all goes well, and uh, you're living and you're preparing in that time, and also looking forward to when the baby comes, and not getting any sleep for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does end eventually, yeah. right, Brenda. <laughs> Oh, we can't complain. No, kids we can't. Sleepers. They're good sleepers. It's just the universal parent <laughs> joke. <laughs> and I know, uh, uh, Brenda, you're uh, recently in, uh, recently become a pastor. I'll bet there's a sense in which you're still in a liminal space, but I'll bet there especially was. I mean, you, you worked for the Postal yeah. Service, right? Yeah. What, what was that? Do you have anything? Uh, what could you say about that transition, about that liminal space? Well, um, when I went into candidacy in the United Methodist Church to the point where I became a pastor was um, like three years, I think. And Yeah, we have a lot of steps and a yeah. lot of process. And you can argue... You can argue that it's too complicated, but there's a there's a reason for the time. There's a oh, reason yeah. for the wait. They, they are very careful. Um, and uh, the Methodist Church wants you to be sure and well-trained. Um, and part of that length of time was also uh, so that I could finish things up at the post office right with my pension and 
Um, also with moving, uh, selling our house, there was a lot of change in 2018. Um, <clears throat> but it was exciting because it was something we'd been working towards. Uh, and so this this excitement of the new coming was was satisfying, you know. And um, so now I, I feel in a bit of a liminal space because, you know, I the next thing I'm looking forward to is graduating from seminary, um, doing my paperwork for commissioning and, and all of that stuff. You know, it's you could almost argue that we're always in some kind of liminal space. Yeah, I hate to uh, I hate to break it to you, but this is like my what 16, 17 years of ministry. I don't know. <laughs> You're old. I'm old. Uh, but uh, here I am, and it still mm -hmm. feels liminal. Uh, I mean, I had I had one of my mentors early on say that there came a point in his ministry where it suddenly felt like he changed churches, and then he realized, oh yeah, I know what's going on there. I know how to respond to that. And, and like for the first time he felt comfortable and I had that experience mm -hmm. when I came here. That's not to say I'm doing everything right, but like there's a there's a maturity of being a pastor that's happened now and it still feels liminal to me. Like I'm still exploring what kind of pastor God is calling me to be. I did this doctoral work and, and now I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. Like there's still there's still a liminality. Well, um, it makes me growth. Go ahead. If you don't feel this stretching and newness, you're not growing and um, you're stagnant. Uh, the first time I heard the word liminal, someone explained to me that think of it as being in a house um, and each room has a different theme or place or purpose, but you have to get there through a hallway. Um, nobody ever says the hallway is my favorite place to be, um, but you have to go through the hallway to get there. And you also don't stay in one room your whole life. Uh, so you need to you need to be moving and um, stretching and growing, even if it's uncomfortable or, you know, unknown sometimes. Frustrating. <laughs> so the so liminality is neither good nor bad. It just is, and it's helpful to name. Mm -hmm. And kind of the reason this has been on my mind was that, uh, Brenda, I can't remember if I told you about this or not, but uh, Saturday night in the middle of the night, I had, let's just call it a gastrointestinal symptom uh, and that, that, that could not be ignored. And uh, now think about it here. Pastor, Saturday night is not the time you want to get sick. Yeah, that's always when it seems to happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Uh, but uh, with with all the technology stuff we have going on here, it occurred to me. Well, see, we, uh, uh, we uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a wonderful staff, and we have a plan of what to do if we do like a total COVID lockdown. Uh, and part of that is sending in stuff from home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, I'm going to do it. 
and it was still early enough. I realized it was two hours until service began when I woke up and uh, and was thinking about this. And I thought, I'm going to set my phone up on the back patio, and I'm going to preach to my phone and send in the video, and I know my folks will be able to play that back, and so I did. Then on Monday, I realized I needed to get a COVID test because when it, it, if it was bad enough for that, then it's bad enough to go in at all and mm-hmm. be around people. Uh, and I know I know some people who've been tested more than once. Um, you know, ended up being a sinus infection. What a, what a season for mm, sinus infection, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but uh, and the test itself was, of course, quite uncomfortable. Let's just say it's not exactly the most fun time. Your brain scrambled. <laughs> right. But funny you, funny you say that because my brain kind of was scrambled after. I was, I was certain it was not COVID. Like the chances of it being COVID based on my symptoms were quite low. Still worth checking, but quite low. You had no known exposure either. Right. It was just based on symptoms. But the what ifs mm-hmm. are still in there. And then it's, uh, it, it ended up, because I actually got the result last night as we were recording. Uh, and the, uh, um, the result ended up being negative, of course, but there was this two-day period where the what-ifs mm-hmm. were in my head. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about the what-ifs. I started thinking about who I would have to notify. Uh, I started thinking about, like, I, I, I decided, well, if I, was, if, if I was sick enough to get tested, then I probably shouldn't be too close to my kids and hugging them and playing with them and all that sort of thing. And um, let's see, there were, what was the specific? There was one one specific, uh, it just, it, th- there's the worry and the what if. Like I start thinking about the various symptoms and what can go wrong. And, and not that we don't all worry about this during a pandemic anyway, but during that liminal period between the test and the result, that worry took on a mm-hmm. different tone. And it gets exhausting, doesn't it? It's exa- That was what I was going to share. Yeah, do you remember that, that Monday morning I was tested? Monday night, I was exhausted. Oh, yeah. And not from the work, from the extra emotional drag of it. Now, let me again remind everyone that mine wasn't very bad. You know, I know people who are expecting to get a positive back. Right. How exhausted must they be at the end of it? I just got a little taste. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, our whole society is in this liminal period yeah. right now. We are all Schrodinger's cats. We we wear masks because we can. We, we we either do or do not have COVID, and you don't know for sure until like you get a positive test back, and you've quarantined for, during the wait time, and the what ifs of all that is just uh-huh. exhausting. Uh, uh, and and as a, as a society. We have this thing where we know life isn't going to go back to exactly to the way it was. But we also don't know what the new normal looks like or even when it will come. We're in this in-between time. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It is, and it, it's anxiety-producing. And so many people just want things to go back to normal. And I think that's part of why there's... Um, pushback on regulations and masks because the more that people are reminded they need to do things, the more they're reminded that this is a scary time. And we sometimes would just rather not think about that. Yeah. Um, 
That's a that's very that's, that's very true and also very compassionate of of folks who who might be making bad decisions because of high anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's very well said on both of you there. Um, there is that that does give some compassion for people who, you know, rather than mask shaming, <laughs> um, maybe it's 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 more productive to recognize the the pains and the stresses and the liminality that might be leading to that decision. Well, I uh, I uh, had a class. Sorry, this I, I brought this question for the second half here. So, guys, sorry I'm talking so much. You guys jump in whenever. But I took a class in my uh, uh, doctoral program on worship during transitions. So baptism, uh, for most, uh, for for most in our tradition, being like the transition into life as a baby. Um, uh, confirmation we talked about. We talked about uh, coming of age transitions, like uh, quinceañeras. Us, uh, us uh, Caucasian Americans don't have enough right there. High school graduation ends up being kind of a kind of sort of transition mm-hmm. into adulthood for many. Uh, and then, you know, you go through that, whatever. But she had us read this article at the very beginning. And uh, let me let's see, I better give proper footnote here, uh, academically minded person like I am. Readings and Ritual Studies, edited by Ronald L. Grimes. And... Let's see, this part is by Victor Turner. And he talks about how these liminal times, like when we have these life transitions, let's just say coming of age, high school graduation, quinceanera. Uh, In a lot of cultures, people are actually brought very low during those transitional times. Like he says, they may be disguised as monsters or wear only a strip of clothing. Uh, to demonstrate that as liminal beings, they have no status, property, insignia, secular clothing, indicating rank or role. He goes on for a while. And ours in America are actually rather uplifting. Mm-hmm. But many cultures, it's, it's, it's a broad low because when we're in those times of transitions, we, we are low. We're not where we were. We're not where we're going to be. Sounds like a kick them when they're down kind of thing, not to judge other cultures. but Well... Yeah, I, I think I think they're trying to be symbolic. Is what yeah. they're doing. They're not trying to kick it when they're down. They're just being symbolic. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you're no longer a child, but you're not an adult yet. So what are you? Is kind of what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's probably a better approach to overall character development. But even so, hard for Americans to hear. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. But what he what this author goes on to say though is about how this liminality breeds a type of community that is different and deeper than we experience anywhere else. So Brenda, I'm springing this on you. Sorry. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if you've had this experience yet, uh, or or if it's the same as it was when Amy and I were candidates for ministry, but whenever, whenever we had to meet with the board of ordained ministry or decom, it always seems like the the friends you made in the waiting room for those interviews, these are like the interviews you go through and you go through at least one a year, like for many, many years, right? Many, 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 many. (laughs) Seems like forever. But the friends you make in the waiting room end up being really good friends. I have a couple that went to other parts of the country that I only knew from the waiting room (laughs) before these interviews. 
that was really my only my only interaction with him and we're still friends like an occasional email and that kind of thing uh and part of it is like going through the traumatic experience together it's not traumatic but you get forged Mm. in the fire (laughs) (laughs) but it is it is it is stressful and so part of it's that but part of it's also this community that's formed in a liminal time so I'm curious. I, I know everything's different right now, Brenda, and, and you've been traveling. I'm not even sure what district you are part of, but have you experienced that yet? Or does it bring up another story um, for you? I haven't experienced that particularly with the waiting room. And, and um, I've had good conversations, but I would say that kind of uh, community is what I get at, at um, St. Paul at seminary. Oh, yeah, the seminary. I, I yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. very much. We are Same all thing. on this path. Um, we all know that we're eventually going to go our separate ways. But uh, the community that I have found amongst. And, you know, I'm not exactly a spring chicken uh, seminarian. I'm more mature. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, it is all over the place. But that is one thing that really has been um, great and amazing to me that uh, even though I, you know, didn't just leave college and start seminary, I I feel like we're all equal on this footing. You know, I don't feel like uh, because I've often. teased my husband Gary he was a, a non-traditional college student he went back after being in the Marine Corps and I said you know we always hated the non-trads because they would just mess up the the um, uh, grading this you know they always had A's and they were always you know quick with an answer you know what I mean <laughs> and so <laughs> I used to tease him about that and then I'm like oh my gosh I'm a non-trad now but uh <laughs> <laughs> what is it? We had a, we had a, one of our seminary friends, Joel, mm-hmm. uh, had a juris doctorate. He was wow. a lawyer. Yeah, and he was the best student in the whole group. And it's like, really, Making Joel? The rest of us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't feel uh, like I have that stigma. <laughs> I feel like like um, uh, I have true friends at seminary and. Um, I just, I enjoy it so much. I I love school. Um, That's where I've really felt community amongst um, people also going through the same trials and, you know, decom and learning the paperwork and uh, discernment. Decom being, decom being one of the groups you go before. All those interviews. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you know, Brenda, you're you're kind of making the point here, uh, because like whatever whatever status the other students had before going to seminary, that status doesn't yeah. matter anymore. So it doesn't matter if you were a letter carrier or a or or a, 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 fl- a burger flipper or a CEO or whatever. It doesn't really matter because you're all on this Absolutely. journey to be a pastor. Yeah. Or, or a former weatherman. <laughs> or former weatherman, that's what I was, or whatever Decision the, support analyst. Whatever the heck your old <laughs> <Yeah>. job was. <laughs> 
but and, and what Turner says is that uh, well, okay, I'm 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 interpreting him a little bit here, but he says that that's that's the kingdom of God, right? All of our human statuses of high and low and our differences in liminal times, mm. they melt away. Yeah. And that as a result, it forms community that is so pure and so different that he, that, that he calls it, in fact, many do this too, call, uses the Latin word for community, communitas, just just so that we don't confuse it with what we normally mean by community like it is that different and that special <laughs> TV show. Oh, community oh man that is an awesome tv show but also mm -hmm. liminal space right yeah. all the characters okay yeah now i'm way overthinking community <laughs> you always do. if you haven't seen community go see it it's a fun show <laughs> uh but well, that let's, is let's see because uh Where it goes it? back to paul where there is no there is no Jew or Greek. There is no free or slave. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No male or female. Yeah. It's all or one yeah. in Christ. Let, let me, I, uh, I highlighted a couple passages here. Now's the time to read them. Something of the sacredness, the transient, so liminal, transient humility and modelessness goes over and tempers the pride of the incumbent of a higher position or office. You know what, when I read that out mm -hmm. loud, that's dense. Uh, yeah. That probably didn't mean anything to anybody. <laughs> I heard, <laughs> that's what, okay. we're watching Charlie Brown again. Oh yeah, that was, that was part one, dear, <laughs> Charlie Brown. No, but something of the sacredness of, uh, okay, let me see if I can translate this to like normal English. <laughs> that there's something holy about that liminal space that tempers our pride and brings the high and the low together. And he says it's rather a, a matter of giving recognition to an essential and generic or like all-encompassing human bond. And without that, there could be no society at all. And, and he says that it's not wrong to have high positions and low positions, but if we don't have these moments that remind us of their place, that our high positions and low positions don't really matter. Every um, mountain will be made yeah. 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 up. Yeah. And of course, communitas is what the church is supposed to be. I mean, we're in the already but not yet, right? We're in the liminal, we're in the in-between time and in the mm -hmm. in-between space. Oh, oh, oh. I remember a time back at my home church where we did Ash Wednesday. And I, for some reason, I remember we had choir practice right after. This is when I was in high school. And I, I remember the choir director just had one of those little moments of uh, that he was sharing of his own self. And he said that he watched a, a banker and a, a janitor. I don't remember the exact job, but it was, again, high and low, what we normally mm -hmm. see as high and low, right? And he saw them, he saw them kneel together to receive the mm -hmm. ashes on Ash Wednesday. And it just moved him how nothing mm -hmm. else mattered and that that's what church is supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know if I brought a question so much <laughs> as a sermon, but it's a good conversation. Works for me. Yeah. What was it you were saying earlier? Was that part one or was that in this one about being in the moment? What that was in part one, what, but you so know, say it again. And what does it mean to be in the moment in a in, in a hallway in a liminal space? 
Well, it, it, it needs to be mindful of the present moment to um, try not to anticipate too much what's coming next or dwell too much in what has passed, but to, to observe the moment. And sometimes, you know, meditation is an exercise to, to assist, assist you in that, where you, you make your body still and then spend that time trying to make your mind still as well and be... Uh, open and observant of what's going on around you. Sometimes it helps to go through your senses. What do I hear? What do I see? What is what is what do I feel? Taste, smell, all of those things, and bring you into the present moment. And in that focusing on the present moment, you observe things that you might not have otherwise. If you were looking down the hall to the door, you're, you're wanting to open further down. Oh my goodness! This hallway has nice wallpaper. Yeah. Oh, I can do better than that. Oh, my goodness, this hallway uh -huh. has pictures of my family. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Or somebody in the hallway going the other direction, and you linger a little while to get to know them, or, you know, I mean, this metaphor can be taken too far, you know. I don't know. I think, I actually, I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly the right, that's communitas, right? Yeah. If all you're doing is focusing on the next room, you miss the person that's in the hallway with you. Mm-hmm. And that's really a lot of like the spiritual journey when we study uh, the mystics. Uh, I don't. I'm going off on a rabbit trail here, yeah. but yeah, some of my favorites, um, ancient people, and and the things that they teach is about being in the present moments and. Uh, whether we are in the midst of our daily work, uh, uh, brother was it brother Lawrence who talked about uh, our our daily work being our worship, and and everything you do being that worship for God. That is really being focused in the present moment instead of saying, "Oh, I can't wait till this work is over so I can go rest and do fun stuff." It's saying, "This is the work. This this is the task that my hands are doing right now, and I will use this to praise God." Yeah. That's good. Like, yeah. She yeah. shut us down, Brenda. That's great. <laughs> it's something we have ourselves of, though. So here we are. Because it's, it's easy to yeah. lose sight of that. It's good to have that reminder. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer here. But what does it mean to be present to 2020? <laughs> Shoot, what does it mean to be present to the already but not yet Christus Victor from part one? But what does it mean to be present to 2020? What I've been thinking a lot with 2020 is how my self-worth is tied to productivity. Oh. And potentially a gift coming out of this would be to, to kind of sever that connection that, that attachment to productivity, that I'm only a valuable human being if I'm contributing every moment of every day. Um, and, and instead, not just valuing myself, but also valuing others, not because of the productivity or what they contribute, but because they are uh, beautiful creations of God. That's good. Yeah. Because nothing says productivity like working mm -hmm. from home. Uh -huh. <laughs> with kids <laughs> and training a puppy <laughs> yeah Brenda our COVID dial as we record here uh, in uh, in Lincoln is like right on the border uh. below the red zone 
And if the health department ups it any at all, then it'll mean, it'll mean lockdown wow. and homeschooling. And ain't <laughs> nobody want that. I mean, it, I, it, I love it my kids. I, I appreciate the move if mm -hmm. it becomes necessary. Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. Very true. People, please wear your mask so yeah. we don't have to do that. <laughs> I love my kids, but if, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that being a teacher is a specialized oh profession for a reason. <laughs> give them raises. Give them all raises. Give them all the raises. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brenda, thank you well, so thank much you for, for talking with me. us. This was cool. I feel hard. You listen to so many podcasts. Know, now you're on one. I don't listen to as many as I used to because, you know, time. But uh, when you suggested that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometime so, uh, as we figure out the technical side of this, um, we'll have to do this again. I don't know. Somebody somebody give notice to Anna Borders and uh, 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 Jeff Graber and and all them all and, of our, all yeah. of our Hutch First alums, and we got some good people here at Trinity and I'll bet Southgate too. Oh yeah, these kind of conversations are good and they fuel my soul and I hope it oh, does for me the people too. too. Um, and this is another reason I like seminary because we sit around and talk about these big ideas and um, nerd out a little bit. <laughs> Do you guys do you guys um, have a community meal still? At least when COVID's yeah, not in session. Um, <clears throat> we do. They are boxed lunches now, and we we sit, you know, uh, distanced apart. Um, but yes, yes, still community meals, and that is it's a big thing. It's a good thing. Um, but there's we're in this liminal space, so we don't know, you know. Uh, they closed yeah. down campus one week because somebody had gotten on campus that was positive. Um, that was like right before focus week. So it was closed. Then there was focus week. This week is reading week. And as far as I know, everything will be back to normal next normal ish next week. Um, <sighs> I hope so. But you went more serious than I was aiming for there. Because those uh, seminary lunch conversations, I remember those as being the very best ones. We solved all the issues of life, the universe, and everything, <laughs> every lunch period. And with a lot less reverence uh, than you uh, need when professors are there. Yeah. <laughs> Though the professor's probably jealous of us, but I, I remember there... Oh, I'm sure they have their own table, yeah. lunch table conversations. <laughs> Before the campus moved, there was a, uh, a, a recreation of a, a Rembrandt? I don't know. It's one of those paintings from the era where the way they depicted uh, wasn't so much with halos, but with the mm -hmm. holy people looking up to heaven <laughs> with their eyeballs. But of course, what it, what it looked like uh, uh, to to modernize was like <laughs> Jesus was rolling his eyes. Jesus, the holy eye roller. Yeah. So it's just so symbolic that as you go into the seminary lunch tables, Jesus rolls his eyes. Um, it just no, I, that seemed to not fit. There now. That would be funny if it was. Hmm. All right. 
Well, Brenda, thank you for joining us. We should wrap it up. Uh, yes. We'll have to do it again sometime. But until then, if anybody has any questions they want to ask or topics for us to discuss, uh, uh, more heady or less heady, whichever one you'd rather, uh, Jeff at TrinityLincoln.org. Rev Amy at SouthgateUMC.org. Thank you, Brenda. Thanks. And Bye. thanks to everybody. All, All right. right. Thanks See a you, lot. Brenda. This was fun. I appreciate being being in on this. It was. So. This is great talking. To thanks you. for letting me rant. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Keep emailing. All the earth Everybody.